All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Extending the Play. Uh, if you listen to, I guess we can call it part one of um, these two-part episodes here, uh, John and I talked a lot about the NFL and how we feel about it returning, and I, I know that's been a topic for a lot of these episodes and a lot of content throughout media nationally, but with the news of the Miami Marlins um, and that hitting their clubhouse rapidly and it caused the game to be canceled already in the MLB season. It's something that is obviously needing to be discussed, but um, welcome back on this episode. And we're going to dive into Philadelphia Eagles news and notes because head coach Doug Peterson did speak today as we record this on Monday night, July 27th, John, I think that's right. Uh, that <laughs> is because July 28th is reporting day and that's tomorrow for the veterans. There we go. Um, so welcome back. Like I said, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, the episodes presented by Jacob media and that's where you can find all of our content. J A K I B media. We're also on Apple. Uh, so go, go on over to your Apple podcast app and hit subscribe, leave a review. It would be much appreciated. Spotify anchor, Anywhere you get your podcast, you can find John and I right there under Extending the Play. John's at JF McMullen on Twitter. I'm at Ryan Rothstein 33. So, John, um, where do you want to start? Because Carson Wentz was looking pretty beefy in a good way uh, on some pictures that were posted uh, with him reporting today. I know Doug Peterson spoke, so we can get to that in a second. But um, give us some of the, the general updates here. Yeah, it's always interesting. Uh, obviously, it would be nice if you could be down at the facility and, and see the actual players. We're kind of at the mercy of everybody's Instagram and the Eagles Twitter panel, and they show some video of, of players walking in. Obviously, Alshon Jeffrey, one of those injured players uh, that came into the Novacare Complex. Rookies had come in a couple days before. Um, and the veterans, as I said, will arrive tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we mentioned that on, on the last show, part one, and, and the fact that, look, these guys have been locked up for the entire offseason. <laughs> these are professional athletes. <laughs> and for the most part, most of them have been intent on getting ready for a season whenever the all clear was given. So you have a lot of guys who are in the best shape of their lives. And for the Eagles, you saw Carson Wentz just looked jacked, as you mentioned. Um, and, you know, we'll see if that's a good thing, a bad uh, thing. Y you generally say, okay, you know, you get in great shape. That's got to be a good thing. But uh, you got to have a lot of mobility at the quarterback position. That's uh, one of the strengths of his game. Um, and there's always been that old school uh, football thinking that if you get too bulky, you're going to lose some of that uh, mobility at certain positions. So I think you have to wait and see how people handle uh, what they've done with their bodies. But I've mentioned Fletcher Cox. He's been on Instagram, Brandon Graham. Lane Johnson is another one who's shown basically their workouts. Did you see the picture of Brandon Brooks? He's not going to play. Did you see that one, Ryan? I did. I did. Oh, my Lord. I know. Now, obviously, Brandon tore his Achilles, so he's out for the year. And, you know, obviously, 
we talked about it last, the first time he was coming back from an Achilles injury. That's not an easy thing to do when you weigh 340 pounds. It's and, not an easy thing to do when you weigh 140. Well, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's just, it, it, it's obviously, you know, it, when you times it by that kind of weight and just that kind of power and that kind of body, same thing happened to Jason Peters. Uh, when he tore uh, in Achilles and then tore it again, um, those are big guys, and it's just even more difficult. Uh, and that's where Brandon is. So he's he's not going to play for a year. So he lost weight. He's down to 290. He's into MMA. He's into jujitsu, uh, and he is just shredded. I, yeah. I mean, he is just. He looks like he's ready to be. Tight end. WrestleMania. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's going to be him against The Rock. I, I mean, that's the way I his got him. body looks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's going to be interesting when he does come back next season. Got You know, part of the strength of his game, and I would argue the biggest strength of his game is his power. And when you talk about there's 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 football power and then there's cosmetic power. <laughs> And right yeah. now he's he looks cosmetically, and people will look at him and say, "Oh, he's just." But trust me, he doesn't have the same strength he has when he's three hundred and fifty pounds, and that's when he's going to want to get that weight back on. It's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens to Brandon Brooks. Yeah, and Brandon Brooks is just—he's a beast. Like there's, you know, I, I played football at a very small level, and you know even at the high school level, you have kids in the weight room and you're like, huh, this, this dude's a beast. And you get him in between the lines when the games matter and they're softer than a pillow. And then you see a smaller guy and they just have power. And, you know, Brooks, I feel like even if he stays a little bit thinner, he's just a guy that has that raw power and he knows how to hit and he knows how to play the position at such an elite level. But Carson Wentz on the flip side of that, he's coming into camp pretty beefy. Um, but guess what? It was 98 degrees today and he's going to be in pads. He's going to be running around. He's going to lose some of that weight pretty quickly. Um, so I don't know what that means for him either, but I don't see how it can be a bad thing, but who knows? No, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a bad thing. And you're right. I mean, there is going to be a certain part of it. He's going to lose some of that weight just going through it. And you mentioned how hot it's been. No question about it. He's going to probably lose 15 pounds pretty quick. Um, and he was already really difficult to take down anyway. I, guys, impossible to tackle. Uh, you constantly see people in the pocket just sliding off them. Uh, so I think that is only going to help him. Uh, but I, I do think you just have to wait and see as far as the mobility. Look, I'm not comparing Carson Wentz to Lamar Jackson, but he he does have that ability to – extend the play uh, and we'll give a shout out to the name of the show Boom! Uh, and he's one of those guys that can do that and he's not looking to run necessarily but he can run and you never know when that's going to leave and you don't have to go back many years to see donovan mcnab and see his change uh from and I'll, and a lot of that by the way was just a, a mental thing and the fact that he wanted to prove to people uh, that he could throw and win from the pocket. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 
part of it is going to lead for a quarterback. And it could be for different reasons. And that's the point where I just say you have to kind of wait and see uh, how this remade body, how it works for him. Yeah, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I think you bring up an interesting point, so maybe we can just do another minute or two. Like, it's interesting when you see quarterbacks, past or present, who have the athletic ability to shed tacklers, escape the pocket, and either tuck it and run or extend the play, boom, as you mentioned. And at some point in their career, they try and, like, prove a point. And I think it's we, – we saw it with Cam Newton. I mean, the dude was an NFL MVP when he wasn't afraid to get out of the pocket and go get a first down or do whatever it took to win the game and move the chains. And then at some point, he tried to become too much of the opposite. And we saw it with Donovan McNabb. And I don't want to see that with Carson. Like, guess what, man? If you can go get six yards, go get six yards. I mean, learn how to slide. I understand you don't want to be hurt in today's game and et cetera, et cetera. But I just don't want to see Carson Wentz locally – um, as we're talking on this episode, overthink that part of the game. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a fine line. And, and really, if you use Carson as an example, or even Cam, Cam's probably a better example. I mean, when he got into this league, you looked at him and said, wow, 6'5", 250, 260. Uh, he's bigger than any linebacker on the field. You're running basically lead options with him uh, as a, a, a glorified running back, and he's beating people up. And you're saying, man, how, how do you stop Cam Newton? Everybody gets hurt in this league. If you play that position, if you're running the football, you're going to take a pounding. And, and that's where it comes in. And really, the Eagles have been talking about it with Carson since he got here. Uh, because they saw what type of player he was. And he wants to put his head down. He wants to dive in the pile. You go back to that Carolina game uh, when he when he dove. Uh, that was reckless. The goal line with a show. Yeah. Frank Reich was still. I've never seen Frank Reich. Uh, uh, Frank Reich is a, a very nice man, a <laughs> uh, very religious man. Does not curse that I've ever heard. I've never seen him more angry. Yeah. Uh, you know, because they're saying to Carson, look, you got to protect yourself. You got to stay on the field. And that's the fine line. But you don't want to take away from his aggressiveness. And that's part of what makes him a great player. So you're always uh, uh, trying to keep a foot in both camps, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, it's difficult to do. So all you can say is, Look, you, you you have to learn, and I think it comes from experience, and you do the best you can. I talked about, you know, from the aspect of, of people slipping off Carson in the pocket and, and having such a difficulty with bringing him down. Well, that's part of it, but the bad part of it, that's where the fumbles come from as well because right. he's always trying to to keep the play going. He's always – assuming I can get out of this. And he, he probably can from that aspect of they're not going to tackle him, but they might pop the football out. So it, what would you rather have? And that's that's sort of that give and take. And it's really difficult because it's it's bang, bang. I mean, it's, it's DNA. It's not like, okay, I'm going to do this on a certain play. It's I'm yeah, it's trying instinct. to make a play. 
And if you know, that's the type of player he is. Ike Reese always says, let the Bronco buck. Well, <laughs> if you let the Bronco buck, yeah, sometimes the football comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's a little bit uh, too wild. And I'm the guy that maybe brings up Russell Wilson a little bit too much when we talk about Carson Wentz, but he was a baseball player and, and he just seems to always know. Oh, he's great you know, at it. Man. He's unbelievable at it. And, and it's not fair because I, I bring it up as like a negative and a criticism to Carson. And I, I don't mean to put Carson down when I do those comparisons, but it's just like, man, you wish Carson could just take that from Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson is an unbelievable pocket quarterback and he's an unbelievable aggressive runner with the football and he sheds tackles, but he just seems to always get out of harm's way. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point. Maybe it is something to do with his baseball background as well. I, I mean, he's just got this ability to, to, I don't know, be a, a step ahead of the defender eyes in the back of his head. Um, just has an innate, innate feel. And that's where I bring up the DNA as a player. I mean, Sometimes it comes down to that. He he just he just has a feel that the typical guy does not have. Yeah. I, I mean, so when you say you don't like to make that comparison, I, I agree. I mean, you can't look at Russell Wilson and say, be like Russell Wilson, because it is it's rare. You know, it, 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 you go to baseball, it, you know, that famous play with Derek Jeter where he uh Flips it or he oh no, flips the play it. At the plate. The, yeah, they were playing the A's and yeah. uh, it was just a terrible throw from the outfield. And, and he realized uh, it wasn't going to cut, it wasn't going to hit the cutoff man. And he raced uh, between um, home plate and, and first base and flipped the ball and, and got the runner at the plate. It, you can't teach that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you can't. You can't have shortstop camps saying this is what you got yeah. to do. <laughs> and that's that's why I bring that up. One of the most iconic plays in, in, in recent baseball history. It, certain certain guys have that. Certain guys don't. Most guys don't. Yeah. And, and that's how I look at Russell. He's got that DNA and you can't teach it. No, you can't. And, you know, we got a little bit sidetracked, but that, that's all interesting conversation. And, and we'll see how Carson develops and grows um, into what's going to be a crazy season for a lot of reasons. Um, so, John, let's get into the, the, the notes and, and the details here, at least of um, from today's talk with, uh, with Doug Peterson. We can start there. What, what did he have to say? What, what really stood out to you? Well, I think most of it, and that's because it was the first day we got uh, with Doug, most of it had to do with the virus and had to do with the protocols and had to do with how he's going to handle things. And I specifically asked him about the coaching staff and contingencies there. When it came to the players, there wasn't much meat to it simply because they're not doing anything. And it's, you know, they're they're going through, in essence – Training camp is going to be sort of a uh, bunched up, complete off season. You're still going to have the three phases. So in the off season, typically you have OTAs, you have mini camp, you have training camp. And in training camp this time, we're going to go through the summer. You're going to have this 
strength and conditioning period, this acclimation period, as they call it. Then you're going to have some helmets and shells, and then the first padded practice can be had on August 17th. So it's going to be a little microcosm, just all scrunched up of what a typical offseason would be. And until we get to that August 17th date, we're not going to know much about the players other than uh, what you understand and what you know. And and the one guy kind of talked about, and, and really it brought in the second player, and that's Jason Peters and Andre Dillard. Uh, and he did say he expects uh, Jason to make the move to right guard as the replacement for Brandon Brooks, who we just talked about. Uh, to, to, it said relatively easy because of his uh, veteran uh, ability. Obviously, he's 38 years old. He's seen it all his leadership ability, and then Andre Dillard at left tackle. Um, and he said he had a good offseason. Now, how does he know that? I don't know. I guess he can tell that on Zoom. <laughs> I, I mean, that's one of the reasons why the Eagles wanted Andre Dillard in this offseason. They wanted him under uh, the strength staff and, and working out because he needed to add strength. And they didn't get that because of the, the pandemic. And you know, Doug put up a brave face, but I'm not sure he's he's that certain of that. And he'll learn it over the summer, but there's only so much you can know on Zoom. And I talked about it. And it's basically like, oh, Fletcher looks in good shape. Carson looks jacked. But until guys get in there, you don't really know. Yeah, and, and I want to tease a question that I want you to answer in a minute after this one. And I'm, I'm you can think about it. I want, I want your answer and opinion on what you think the biggest unknown and the biggest storyline is for the Philadelphia Eagles. Cause my answer, it has to be Jason Peters and Andre Dillard and that dynamic. And maybe you can get into that regardless, depending what your answer is. Um, but what I want to talk about right now is we did an episode. It might even be two months at this point, you know, right after the last dance and we compared Phil Jackson to Doug Peterson and what is Doug Peterson's coaching style and we talked even off air um, a little bit ago tonight John about the good organizations are going to figure it out and they're going to have contingency plans in place etc etc for all the craziness going on right now what what is Doug Peterson doing if anything that you know of differently or better than other organizations in the midst of all this well, I, I, I think the first and foremost is you look at what's going on with the New York Jets, and it's a good comparison for a number of reasons. One, if Joe Douglas is up there, so we know him well. I know him uh, personally. Uh, Adam Gase was the one of the coaches the Eagles brought in in 2016 before they talked to Doug Peterson, uh, wanted to hire him. Um, that would have been a disaster. <laughs> and <laughs> – you know, they had to trade a really good player, a high-level player who did not like the head coach. Simple as that. And I think if you look at, at Doug Peterson versus uh, Adam Gase or versus his predecessor here, Chip Kelly, that's what he does best. He manages personalities, and he does it very well. And I, I've said it on a lot of different shows and a lot of different networks. To me, that's the biggest part of being a coach in this league is managing personalities. 
everybody focuses on X's and O's. Everybody focuses on schemes. I'm not saying that's not important. But the managing personalities part, and that's where I brought in Phil Jackson back on that show, that is a bigger part of it, to keep everybody or as many people on the same page as possible. There's always going to be a you-know-what. Every right. coach goes through it. but when Yeah, you but it's to, how you handle that you-know-what. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you saw it last year a little bit with Nigel Bradham. Nigel's a great guy, uh, and – I like him personally, but, I mean, he didn't show up for the bus to a preseason game. Didn't call, didn't show, didn't say he wasn't coming. Uh, and then later in the season, he was hurt, and he had a rehab appointment, did the same thing. Didn't sh- show up, yeah. didn't call, you know, didn't say he was not coming to work. Right. And a lot of people in that organization, a lot of people, said cut Nigel Bradham. Now, ultimately, they were going to move on from him anyway. Uh, Doug said, no, he's a big part of this team. He was the best linebacker on this team last year. Uh, He found a way to work it out uh, for one more season at least. And uh, that's part of it. You're always going to have these guys. Uh, You've seen the the struggles with Deshaun Jackson. Uh, last year it was the injury. Is he coming back? Is he not coming back? Is he working hard to come back? Does he want to come back? And then this year you have the off the field stuff already, uh, with the untoward comments. Uh, he's just really good at dealing with those types of issues. And a lot of coaches aren't. And you, Adam Gase is, is the perfect example of that. Yeah. I mean, some people, you know, when someone says something, Adam Gase can say something to his room and 10 guys in that room can say, <laughs> you know, bleep this guy like this jackass, you know, whatever it may be. And Doug Peterson, his guys want to do good for him. Like, and that's cliche and broad, but it's as simple as that. Like Phil Jackson, there's a clip from the last dance and maybe I'm too obsessed with this, but Dennis Rodman goes um, to be on TV with Hulk Hogan and misses practice. And Phil Jackson, (laughs) and Phil Jackson gets asked by a reporter the day of the NBA Finals game. uh, You know, Coach, is it frustrating that Dennis Rodman is taking all the focus away from the game and putting it on him? And Phil Jackson responds, "The focus has never changed. Your focus has been taken away and put on him." (laughs) And like, I I thought that was just the perfect line, and that's just the that's sums up exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I, I have the same feeling uh, about, you know, Phil's one of them. Um, and, I you know, Phil's got so many rings. Uh, I, I don't want to say I'm comparing uh, Doug to him. No, but it's uh, fair, style-wise. Yeah, style, it's more of a style thing. Joe Torrey was that way. I always use him as an example. He's just tremendous. Uh, I got from Joe Cor- to, If you're, I probably told you the story before. Uh, you know, if you're dealing with the media, say their names when you're answering their questions, if you know them. So yeah. if, if you're asking me a question, Joe Torrey, and I'm Joe Torrey, I would say, well, Ryan, and that just that little thing. And I've noticed coaches do this to me and because I know it's happening and other reporters don't know it's happening. It's just a little psychological trick. Yeah, you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. 
And guys like that, they think about stuff like that. They're that type of higher level. I don't know if Doug's at that level, uh, but I do know he's really good at dealing with people. I mentioned, you know, Michael Bennett just retired. Michael Bennett is crazy. I love the dude. We, we constantly, every conversation I've ever had with Michael Bennett, it was not about football. It was about other stuff. We always talked. We, we had basically the same Netflix queue. We're always talking about <laughs> the same continue watching queue. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I personally, I thought he was a great guy. Man. I, he was a nut, though. I, yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine trying to deal with him as a player, as a coach player type of thing. He yeah. loved Doug Peterson. He, it, you know, he got suspended in New England. Everywhere he went over the past, in Dallas, he's complaining. He loved Doug Peterson. All Sean Jeffrey, everyone talks about Josina Anderson, All Sean Jeffrey. All Sean loves Doug Peterson. Yeah. So, I mean, you still have these issues with these players who are, you know, and in a lot of cases, in Michael's case, it, he certainly wasn't doing it to be uh, a bad person. Uh, but he's just a, a They're different. Just, Everyone's yeah. wired different. And th- exactly. those can be minimized if you he's handle a it. Very, right very, exactly. He's a very different person. And if you don't know how to, how to handle that type of person, if you're expecting the typical football guy, you're not getting that. And you have to have the ability as a coach to maneuver through all these different personality types. That to me has always been the strength uh, of Doug Peterson. And I, I said it all the way back to 2016 when I knew Doug Peterson and you can ask Mike Gildas, our old friend from ESPN South Jersey, Yep. I knew Doug Peterson was going to be a good coach the way he handled Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford was very upset after the Eagles drafted Carson Wentz. Understandably so. He knew his job was done. Yeah. Doug handled it like a pro, and Sam was happy as a lark up to the day he was traded to Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's, you know, we, we got off track a little bit, but not really because that brings it full circle of how we feel certain coaches and certain organizations will handle everything going on. So you have to feel good if you're an Eagles fan about how Doug Peterson and the organization are going to handle all the craziness and all the unknowns um, going on in today's society. So that's, that's really an interesting point Um, to, to wrap things up here or head towards the end here. Can you answer that question that I teased about five minutes ago, which was what do you think is the biggest storyline as players begin to report on July 28th? Well, besides COVID, I mean, that is far in a way, number one. I think on the field, I think the biggest thing is the receivers. How does that shake out? Did, did, did the Eagles do enough uh, at the receiver position? And you know, it was interesting to me with the draft. They went really heavy. If you think about when Joe Douglas was here, Eagles put a lot of emphasis on, on college production. And they kind of did a 180, um, which is, you know, people can say how he wanted to to, uh, to distance himself. But remember, Andy Weidel is Joe's, Joe Douglas's good friend, his uh, top lieutenant for years. So it's not like they don't have 
the same philosophy, but they just went completely in a different direction to a trade draft, I call it. And they just got guys who can run. And they can all run, but can they play? I think that's what we have to see. But yeah, they, that's, they certainly yeah. added speed, but I don't know if these guys can play. Yeah, it was a little bit surprising. We talked a little bit about that before in the past where that doesn't seem to be the organization's style of drafting and, and reloading in each offseason, but they changed it up, and that seems to be the direction they want it to go. And I don't know. I mean, I was asked today, John, and this is specific, but it has to do with the receivers, like Greg Ward. Is he even going to be on the team? If so, what's his role going to be? Because he was the hero. Well, he's definitely going to be on the team. I mean, remember when I say that 53-man roster, it expands to 16 on the practice squad. So, uh, worst comes to worst, he's going to be back on the practice squad. But I do think he's going to make the 53-man roster. I think it's very unlikely. Uh, remember, it, we're going through an offseason where the rookies haven't done anything. And Jalen Rager, uh, obviously, is a first-round pick. He's going to be a big part of it no matter what. But when you start talking about John Hightower and Quez Watkins, well, they're fifth and sixth round picks. I mean, yeah, they could win you a four by 100 meter race. But I I mean, are they going to be ready to play? I I (laughs) certainly don't think so early. Uh, And I think Greg Ward is going to have a a big part uh, of that offense. Doug Peterson loves him. Uh, Doug's wife. That's her favorite player. So don't don't underestimate that as well. <laughs> that's um, that's a big difference maker. That's a big uh, inside yeah. info note there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I, I mean, a lot of it is I don't expect Alshon Jeffrey to be ready for week one. So if you start thinking about, okay, who's going to play where? Well, you have uh, Deshaun Jackson, obviously, if he's healthy. He's going to be the Z receiver. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside would be the X. And then you have the slot receiver, which would be Greg Ward or Jalen Rager, if you can get him on the field that quickly. Either way, Greg's going to be a part of that offense. There we go. And the receiver position is always a focus in recent history with the Philadelphia Eagles. But as John mentioned, with the direction the team went in, both um, in free agency and the market and through the draft, it's going to be under the microscope once again. And the Jason Peters, Andre Dillard story will be closely uh, examined as well. So a lot of storylines, as always, we're going to get to more of them throughout the week right here on extending the play subscribe at jacob media j-a-k-i-b media subscribe on apple spotify anchor anywhere you get your podcasts you can find john and i under extending the play thank you everyone once again for tuning in if you're new welcome uh and john as i always ask the impossible question to answer to answer what's on the next episode <laughs> uh, we got to wait and see what who get, who tests positive tomorrow. You know, I think it's going to be a huge story uh, because, as I said, twenty-four positives so far with rookies around the league, or not positive, but they're on the COVID list. Somebody of that veteran group is going to be put on that list, and I, I think that's going to be the biggest story. Yes, it certainly will. So plenty to get into and plenty that we don't even realize (laughs) will be coming up here soon. And we'll have it for you right here 
on extending the play. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you.